chapter 15, verse 11. If you have your Bibles, we're going to go through the whole chapter afterwards. This is just the one we'll read at the beginning. Genesis 15, 11, it's on the screen, I guess you can read it. It says, when the fowls came down upon the carcasses, Abram drove them away. All right, let's pray. <laughs> Jesus, hallelujah, thank you. God, for your spirit and your presence is here, I pray. Uh, God, that you would continue to have your way in the service. God, I pray that you would speak to us through your your words today. I let everything be clear. I don't want my mouth to say what needs to be said. Your ears to hear it. I pray God that you speak to our hearts. And Jesus, I'll draw us closer to you through it all. I pray that your will be done in the name of Jesus. Amen. You can remain seated, I suppose. <laughs> I make the same jokes all the time. I don't know. I think they're funny. Anyways, my title... title today is uh, Protect Your Sacrifice. That was, um, a few weeks ago we started a little series on Romans 8, and I was going to continue that, but maybe next week. Um, this is probably going to be one of those, it's one of those messages I don't really want to preach, but here we are. Um, but Genesis 15 is a, a detailed account of an interaction between Abraham and God. At uh, this time he's called Abram, as you can tell, but I'm going to call him Abraham because it's hard for me <laughs> to remember. Um, so far, Abraham, he's been called by God and he's been told to leave his father's land and his father's house and, you know, God's going to do something incredible through him and he's going to make him a great nation and he's told him that he was going to bless the world through him and so when we come to this story in chapter 15, Abraham's already been walking with God for a while. He's already been following God for a bit and he's uh, at this point, he separated himself from the world. He's left his old life behind. He's even parted ways with his nephew, Lot, who has gone to live in Sodom and Gomorrah. And you, you know those cities, you know what that's like. And he's been called um, by God, and he's been blessed in chapter 14 uh, by a, a king named Melchizedek. And I don't know if we truly realize this, but Abraham was an extremely wealthy person. He had a lot of stuff. Um, kings wanted to meet him. They would come to meet him. They would have him over. Uh, he was giving gifts to kings, and the kings were trying to give him stuff, and he was like, no, I've got enough. I don't want anyone to say that um, that God didn't do this for me and stuff like that. And so um, and he's got enough people with him to go and fight off some kings and armies to rescue Lot after he's captured. So Abraham is kind of a, a big deal, and no doubt Abraham leaving his father's uh, house and, and land and moving out in the middle of nowhere would cause a bit of a stir. You know, it wasn't like, well, I don't have anything. Anyway, let's just go and see what happens. This was a big step for Abraham to, to do this. And it was a big ordeal. And so um, this is where Abraham is. And some of us today, uh, I think we're like Abraham in some of these senses. Maybe we're not as rich as Abraham was. Maybe we aren't. Well, some of us are living in the wilderness, but maybe... <laughs> We haven't left everything like that, but we've been we've been called by God, and we've 
accepted the call of God and we left some things behind and we've been following God for a while and maybe we've been blessed by him and we've received promises from God and things that we felt that he said he was going to do in our lives and we've been just doing our best to follow God as best as we can and that's that's kind of where Abraham is at this point and we come to chapter 15 and God is about to make a covenant with Abraham and he's about to confirm some things in his life and reaffirm some things that he's already told him that he was going to do so Genesis 15 1 to 3 it says after these things the word of the Lord came unto Abram in a vision saying fear not Abram I am thy shield and thy exceeding great reward and Abram said Lord God what will thou give me seeing I go childless and the steward of my house is Eleazar of Damascus and Abram said behold to me thou hast given no seed and lo one born of my house is mine heir so God shows up to, to Abraham in a vision and they have this conversation a prayer if you will, um, because that's what prayer is, conversing with God. And so Abram, or Abraham has been told a few chapters before that the world is going to be blessed through his family. But Abraham's got no children. If you're familiar with the story, this is, this is basically it. God's going to do something incredible through him, but he's got no, no children. And so the thing that God has told him, that he's going to bless the world through him and all this stuff, it doesn't look like it's going to happen because it's just Abraham and his wife and a bunch of servants and, and they don't have any, any children. So instead of doubting that this is going to happen, Abraham tries or he starts trying to figure out how God's going to do this because obviously the kid thing's not going to happen. He's 75 when God calls him in the first place and you know he's not like 100 when it happens. So he's in between here. He's kind of old to be having children. I don't know if you know you 70-year-olds want to start over or not, but that's where Abraham was. And so uh, it doesn't look like it's going to happen, but so instead of doubting, he's trying to figure out in his head how God's going to do this thing because, you know, God's, you know, God of his word. And so he tells God, I've got no children, but I've got this, this steward or this servant in my house, Eleazar. And so uh, maybe, maybe this is the guy that you're going to use to make this happen. I'll turn everything over to him. And when I die, and he'll be my heir in that sense in and, and that's, so that's how this is going to happen, right? I don't know how many times we try to do things like that with God. You know, God, um, maybe he speaks a word into our lives, or maybe he calls us to something, or maybe he tells us something's going to happen, and often it doesn't happen as fast as we'd like it to happen. And uh, so we, we start trying to come up in our head with other ways that this is going to take place, or this is going to work. Well, maybe God meant this and said, I know he said this thing. I know, you know, I felt this, but maybe, maybe that was just a, a metaphor. Maybe I, maybe I just made that up. Maybe, you know, this is, this isn't exactly what he meant. And it's going to happen some other way. It's, I don't know if anyone else, if you've done that, this is for you. <laughs> if not, we'll just listen along anyway. But we don't want to doubt him. So we start stretching the definitions of what God said. And we start trying to change what God said to fit our current circumstances. We try to morph the word of God to fit into what it looks like right now. And this is what Abraham was doing. But God, you know, if God said it, God's going to do it just like he said it. And if God has called you to a thing, then stay faithful and he will bring you to that. 
and it may be years down the road, but if you stay faithful, he will do it. And that doesn't mean not to do anything in the meantime. We have to keep following him, keep working, and just kind of maybe tuck that promise away and, and don't forget it because God's going to do what he said he would do. And uh, Verse 4 to 6, it says, And behold, the word of the Lord came unto him, saying, This shall not be thine heir, Eleazar, but he that... Uh, shall come forth out of thine own bowels shall be thine heir. And he brought him forth abroad and said, Now, or look now toward the heaven and tell the stars if thou be able to number them. And he said unto him, Surely so shall thy seed be. And he believed the Lord and accounted to him for righteousness. So God says to, to Abraham, No, this Eliezer guy, this plan that you think is going to happen, this guy's not going to be your heir. I said what I said. You will have an heir and it will be your own child. In the words of Horton the Elephant, I said what I said, and I meant what I meant. And so that's, that's where God's trying to reconfirm with Abraham. And he shows him the stars, and he tells him to count them, and says, that's how many children you're going to have. And Abraham believed him. That's the key there. Abraham believed what God said. That's important. When God says something to us, either maybe through the preaching or through time spent in prayer or through reading his word or through prophecy or interpretation of tongues or whatever way that he speaks. And um, Do we believe him when he says something? Do we believe him or do we brush it off and just keep focusing on our solutions and now oh, I was going to try to figure it out? Yeah, but I don't, you know, I still don't have any children. It's been a while and yeah, I'm still not in the place you called me to. It's been a while since I, I felt that and yeah, maybe uh, the thing still hasn't happened, so so whatever. We try to reason it away. Do we believe what God says or not? Verse 7 to 8 says, And he said unto him, I am the Lord that brought thee out of Ur of the Chaldees to give thee this land to inherit it. And he said, Lord God, whereby shall I know that I shall inherit it? So God reaffirms to Abraham. He says, Remember, I brought you out from Ur of the Chaldees, to give you this land that you're, you're in. And I've done this thing because I'm going to do something else and I promise something and I'm going to do what I promised I would do. And Abraham asked a question that many of us would. Well, how am I going to know this is going to happen? How am I supposed to know if this thing is going to happen? Uh, have you ever asked that? God tells you something? You're like, well, how am I going to know? And so that's what Abraham does. And God tells Abraham to do something very specific in verse 9 to 10. He says unto, he said unto him, Take me an heifer of three years old and a she-goat of three years old and a ram of three years old and a turtle dove and a young pigeon. It's a big list of things. And he took unto him all these things and divided them in the midst and laid each piece one against another, but the birds he divided not. So God says to Abraham, this, I'm going to do something here. But I need you to do this thing first. I'm going to show you how this is going to happen. I'm going to speak to you. I'm going to call you and all this stuff. But before that happens, I need you to do this. Give me a three-year-old heifer, a three-year-old female goat, a three-year-old ram, a turtle dove, and a pigeon. All right? Anyone got that? Maybe some of you. So to recap, God has called Abraham. He's led him to this place. He's made promises to Abraham. Abraham's been faithful. He's followed him here. It's been a while. He's still following him. And now God is getting ready to make a covenant or a promise with Abraham. He's ready to take him further than he's ever been before. He's ready to bring him closer into this covenant. He's ready to take this 
if you will, relationship to the next level. And he's written to this covenant relationship with Abraham. In order for there to be a covenant in the Bible, there needs to be a sacrifice. A covenant is a specific agreement between God and his people. God promises to do a specific thing if the rules that are uh, laid out are followed. And this, so this is a serious thing that God's about to do with Abraham. It's a big deal. I know this seems dry, but we're getting somewhere. A covenant doesn't happen without a sacrifice. There's a shedding of blood that's necessary for a covenant to happen. There's a sacrifice that God asks of us for this covenant to take place. And we're in a new covenant. Jesus, he was a sacrifice. But there are other things that God asks of us. And so one of my favorite songwriters, John Mark Millen, says, everyone's calling for a covenant, but nobody's drawing blood. And that's where we are. We all want the covenant, but we don't want the, the sacrifice. We all want the promises of God, but we don't want to make that sacrifice that God's asking us. Oh, we want the blessings of God, but we don't want to give up anything. We all want the will of God, but we don't want to lay anything down. But in order for us to go further with God, there needs to be a sacrifice. And there needs to be a giving up of something dear to us. And there needs to be a laying down of something else. And a whole lot of us, this is where we are. We've been walking with God for a while. We've left some things behind. We've been following him for a bit. And maybe we feel like he's promised us some things, maybe for our lives, maybe for some sort of ministry, maybe for the church, maybe for our families or whatever the situation is. And we're at a place where God is wanting to take us a little bit further, but he's asking us to do something. And he's trying to get us to trust him enough to go a little bit further with him. But instead, we're out here rationalizing and trying to figure out if he meant something else. And instead, we're out here in no man's land, stuck in our own heads and downplaying the things that God has called us to and the things that God wants to do in our lives. And God is asking for a sacrifice, and we're trying to talk our way out of it. He's brought us this far, and we're like, no, that's good enough. We'll never really see that revival. We'll never really see our families change. We'll never really see these things happen. And we try to talk it over in our heads. And all the while, God is here waiting and ready to take us further if we would just obey him and give him what he's asking of us. And God laid out a very specific list of things he wanted Abraham to give. A three-year-old heifer, a three-year-old sheep, goat, a three-year-old ram, a pigeon, and a turtle dove. And I'm convinced that the majority of the church, if we were Abraham, we would try to give something else. Well, I don't want to give this three-year-old. I got an older one here. That's just as good. And, um, I don't really want to give that ram up. I really like that one, but you can have this this you that I, I don't really care about, or you uh, here's a different bird, or whatever. We because we want to do what we want to do, and we don't want to take the things of God seriously. And God is asking for sacrifice, and He's asking for very specific things from us. And if you've been around God long enough, you know you felt this. And we like to think we can just do our own thing and hope that he blesses it. God decides what the sacrifice is. He told Abraham what to give. Read through the first five books of the Old Testament. There's all kinds of lists of things to give. God's the one that tells what the sacrifice is, not us. That's how it works. Because if we decided, it wouldn't be a sacrifice. Right? It would just be whatever we wanted to do. 
And that's not what a sacrifice is. Think that we can just show up the church whenever we want and it'll be fine and our kids will be saved somehow and we can just avoid prayer and we'll just have a move of God anyway and I just skip fasting and I can just skip uh, personal prayer and I don't need to intercede and I can wear and do whatever I want. Holiness doesn't really matter and I can do all these things and be unfaithful and gossip and backbite and whatever list all the things and it'll just be fine. You're not fooling anyone but yourself. Galatians 6 and 7 says, Be not deceived, God is not mocked, for whatever a man soweth, that also shall he reap. We can't just do whatever it is that we want to do and expect God to take us where he wants us to go. The covenant is on the other side of the sacrifice. The promise is on the other side of that sacrifice. And there's always a sacrifice to go further with God. The early church, that's what it was built on. Sacrifice and prayer. They gave everything. They even, a lot of them laid down their lives. And we are at a, a threshold as, as a church, and we've been there for a while, years even, but it seems like we don't want to do it. And we're comfortable where we are, and we push a bit, and we get close, and then we back off. And Abraham just simply obeyed what it was that God told him to do. He didn't try to give what he wanted to give and hope that was good enough. Because again, if you only give what you want, that's not sacrifice. And this is what happened in verse 11. When the fowls came down upon the carcasses, Abram drove them away. So Abraham sacrificed these animals that God asked him. He gave what God asked him. He cut them in half, except for the birds. And he gave what God asked him to give. And then, as happens in the wilderness, there's vultures, there's ravens, there's birds that come Try to eat the sacrifice, whatever they were, it doesn't say. Vultures, ravens, whatever. In the desert, carcasses don't last long. And this is what happens. Abraham drives them away. And this is what happens in our life. God calls us. He asks us for something. He asks us to give something, a sacrifice, time maybe, effort. Maybe money, whatever, whatever the thing is. And then something always tries to come and steal it away. Right? Ever come up to the elder and pray, and, oh, I'm going to do this. And then everything falls apart. <laughs> when you make up your mind that you're going to give financially a certain amount, watch how random bills just come up out of nowhere. Right? <laughs> gas prices go through the roof for something. When you make up your mind that you're going to pray longer and you're going to set this time apart to pray, the phone rings. <laughs> Someone's knocking at the door every time. <laughs> when you make up your mind that you're going to fast, you get dizzy. And, and <laughs> even if it, you know, it's the same amount of, you know, I'm just going to not fast, I'm going to fast today. And you don't eat breakfast. Even at even though you don't normally eat breakfast. Nine o'clock, you're like, oh, I'm starving. Dizzy, all this stuff, every time. <laughs> when you make up your mind that you're going to step out into some new ministry, that's where all these people come out of nowhere and start, well, I don't know about that, naysayers. When you make up your mind you're going to be in church whenever the doors are open, 
Watch your family show up to visit on a Sunday and arguments come out of nowhere when you're trying to get everyone ready or your car breaks down or things come up and you wake up not feeling the best or you don't get to sleep the whole night before or maybe you sleep in. Something happens and when you decide that you're going to start teaching a Bible study, watch them try to cancel. When you decide you're going to sacrifice and do something for God, you just watch all kinds of things start to happen. When you decide maybe you're going to and dress a certain way or do whatever, all of a sudden you can't find the clothes to buy or whatever. This thing, something always comes up. Why? Because the enemy knows that the promise is on the other side of that sacrifice. Whatever God's asking us to do, something's going to come and try to stop that from happening. And so we need to protect your sacrifice. Don't sacrifice something and then just let something else come in and destroy it or a bad attitude or something else comes up and we just forget. The enemy is going to, to try to destroy it. He's going to try to distract you and try to ruin the, the whole thing. This happens every time. We lay something down and then we get distracted and we give something up and then we take it back. We're faithful for a couple of months and then we just get tired of it because uh, it's hard. Sacrifice doesn't end when we get bored. Paul said in Romans 12 and 1, we know this one. I beseech you, brethren, therefore, brethren, by the mercies of God, that you present your bodies a living sacrifice, holy, acceptable unto God, which is your reasonable service. The Bible tells us that we're supposed to be willing to give ourselves. And now we're not killing goats and stuff and rams and heifers. Pigeons, unless we hit them with their cars. But we're supposed to give ourselves, our sacrifice now is our ourselves, our lives, our desires, our wills, our goals, our dreams, our plans, our wants, our stuff, our minds, our bodies. But we only want to give what we want to give. I'll come Sunday morning, but that's it. The other times are too hard. Well, that's the sacrifice, honey. It's not supposed to be easy. I'll do this and nothing else. I'm sorry, that's not how it works. Until we're willing to lay down everything, until we're willing to sacrifice, until we're willing to protect that sacrifice and not give in to the distractions and throw it away, we're going to remain on this side of the promise. When the vultures start coming and circling, what do we do? Ah, we're tired. Forget it. I'll do it again next week. I'll try again later. Well, it was a good run. I'll try again. Or do we drive them off? No, this is God's. This time is for Him. This, this money that I set aside is, is for Him. This, this ministry is for Him. This effort, this, this is what I'm giving to God. And do, we, do we do that? Do we try to fend everything off? Or do we just ah, forget it? When we give something to God and something else comes for, what do we do? When we say we're going to go to church and something else comes up, what do we do? When we say we're going to pray and fast and give and sacrifice and something else comes up, what do we do? Do we just give up and say, oh, well, I guess it wasn't meant to be, or we'll go next week, or I'll pray tomorrow, or I'll fast tomorrow, or I'll give the next time, or, or do we just drive it away and say, no, this thing belongs to God and I'm giving it to Him. This time, this money, this effort, this gift, this talent, this life, this family, this body, whatever it is, I'm giving it to Him. Protect your sacrifice. My wife could come. I'm almost done. Abraham, he stayed. 
He lingered. When he gave that sacrifice, he didn't go home. He waited until God did what God was going to do. He didn't rush off, get back home to his tent, to Sarah and all his other stuff. I'm sure he had other things he could have been doing. He had all kinds of things going on. He didn't run off to a deal. Um, he didn't run off to meet some king or deal with some sheep or cows or doves or whatever. He stayed with that sacrifice. And because he stayed, he was able to drive away the vultures or the ravens or whatever the birds were, and he stuck with it. And a lot of times we'll be in a service like this or someone preaches something like this and we'll pray at the altar. We'll come and we'll pray and, and then we'll walk out and forget the whole thing ever happened. We'll make promises and vows and God, I'll do this. I'll do that. I'll give this. I'll be faithful. I'll, I'll, whatever you want from me, God, I'll do it. Whatever you, wherever you call me, whatever it is you want, I'll, I'll do it. And then we rush off to do something else. And we leave the sacrifice and something comes in and destroys it and we kind of just stay the same until the next time. So there's something to be said about staying with it. It's not enough just to say I'm going to do it. We need to stick with it. The rest of the chapter, 12 to 21, it says, When the sun was going down, a deep sleep fell upon Abram, and lo, an horror of great darkness fell upon him, and he said unto Abram, Know for a surety that thy seed shall be a stranger in the land that is not theirs, and shall serve them, and they shall afflict them for four hundred years. And also that nation whom they serve will they judge, and afterward they shall come out with great substance. That's talking about Egypt. And thou shalt go to thy fathers in peace, and thou shalt be buried in a good old age. But the fourth generation they shall come out, or come hither again, for the iniquity of the Amorites is not yet full. And it came to pass that when the sun went down, it was dark. Behold, a smoking furnace and a burning lamp that passed between those pieces. And the same day the Lord made a covenant with Abram, saying, Unto thy seed have I given this land from the river of Egypt to the great river, the river Euphrates, the Kenites, the Kenizzites, and the Kedmonites, and the Hittites, and the Perizzites, and the Rephraims, and the Amorites, and the Canaanites, and the Gergesites, and the Jebusites. So all this land I'm going to give to you, all the ites. I wish you were still called ites. All the ites, all the land, I'm going to give you all this stuff. And the presence of God passed through that sacrifice. And God shows up and he passes through the sacrifice and he makes this covenant with Abraham. And I really struggle with how to end this message. I really don't know how, but I know that we're on the threshold of something great with God. But I also know that we won't get over it until we're willing to make up our minds that we want to. Felix is distracting today. Unless we do the things that God has been asking us to do, unless we obey Him. And you know what those things are. As I was preaching, they were coming to your, your mind. Unless we present our bodies a living sacrifice. I feel like I've been preaching the same thing for since we've been here, but the call is there and the invitation is there and it has been. And Jesus is here today and he wants to take us further but there's going to have to be some sort of sacrifice there's going to have to be some giving up of something 
I'm dedicating them something. And you know what it is that you need to do? You know what it is he's been speaking to you? A specific thing like you told Abraham. Maybe it's a sin that we've been continuing in. Maybe it's time. Maybe it's pride. Maybe it, you need to just take that next step and be baptized or filled with the Spirit. Whatever it is that God's been dealing with you, He's been working on you. So this morning, my wife's going to sing, but I just want to invite you to bring that sacrifice. That thing that God's been talking to you about. That thing that you've been holding on to that He's asked for. That you've reasoned away and convinced yourself that it isn't really necessary and we can just continue on and it will be fine because again we don't decide what the sacrifice is God does maybe he's calling you to a place maybe he's calling you to a ministry maybe he's calling you to be more faithful I don't, I don't know what it is for you but whatever it is I invite you to bring that today and don't just Come and pray for 10 seconds and then just rush off. Just wait for a minute. Wait for God to show up. And then when we go home, keep that. Keep that going. Just give up because, you know, you know what's going to happen when you say, I'm going to do this thing. Other things are going to come up. we got to stick with it. Well, let's, let's take some time this morning. Let's find a place to pray. You want to come in the front and you can pray. You can pray. You see, whatever it is, whatever a sacrifice is that God's been dealing with you about, why don't we bring that to Him today? He wants to lead us and take us further with Him and closer to Him. Jesus.